This episode of Untold Stories, Life with a Severe Autoimmune Condition is brought to you by Argenix, a global immunology company committed to improving the lives of people living with severe autoimmune conditions. At Argenix, we listen to patients, caregivers, and advocacy communities to align their aspirations with our innovations in pursuit of a better tomorrow. We welcome this opportunity to honor our commitment by sharing the untold stories of our guests. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this special bonus episode of Untold Stories, a podcast from iHeartRadio in partnership with Argenics. And I'm your host, Martine Hackett. I'm an associate professor and director of public health programs at Hofstra University. As a researcher, professor, and public health expert, I've spent my career studying the complex realities of healthcare disparities and the barriers people face. In this podcast, I've been speaking with people from many walks of life living with a rare disease. In today's special episode, we'll be spotlighting another rare type of autoimmune disorder, chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy, more commonly known as CIDP. Our hope is that through this podcast, we're able to amplify these voices and share a greater understanding of life with a rare disease. Today's bonus episode on CIDP will expand the important conversation around this condition because every person with a rare disease has a unique story to tell. For those unfamiliar, chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy is a neurologic disorder involving symptoms of progressive weakness and reduced sensation in the arms and legs. With CIDP, a person's immune system mistakenly attacks the protective layer that surrounds nerves. When the nerves become damaged, the body has difficulty completing signals to the muscles, which is why people with CIDP may experience weakness and have difficulty walking. CIDP can occur at any age and affects people of all genders. However, it's more common in adult men. Today, I'm joined by two guests who have both had their unique journeys with CIDP. Diagnosed in 2014, Crystal knew that her life was going to change forever and the dynamics between her and her husband would be profoundly affected. What she didn't expect is that living with CIDP would actually bring them closer together, and her outlook on life with this rare disease would open a vast new chapter. Similarly, our second guest today, Scott, has been on an eight-year journey with CIDP, learning to strike a balance with his developing symptoms. As a longtime dancer and choreographer, he has had to adapt his creativity as his CIDP impacted his mobility. But with a positive outlook and a caring support system, he is making the artistic moves he has never dreamt of before. Let's get started. So again, thank you so much for both of you for agreeing to be here today. And I'm so looking forward to hearing um, your stories. The first question I have for both of you, Scott and Crystal, is to get a sense of a little bit of what your lives were like before CIDP. Crystal, can we start with you? Sure, absolutely. Uh, First, I just want to say that I'm thrilled to be here and I'm thrilled to be speaking about CIDP and I cannot thank everybody enough, but I like to describe myself prior to CIDP as being a very cocky, healthy person. I was diagnosed at 55 and I was healthy. I was eating the way they tell you to eat, maybe had a drink once a week. I was working for pharma. I had gone back to college and I was working on my second degree. I was the type of woman that would run first thing in the morning before work and then CIDP hit and it was like hitting the wall at 100 miles an hour. 
Wow. And we'll definitely hear more about that in a minute after we hear from Scott. Scott, will you tell me what would your life look like before CIDP? For me, I grew up as a professional entertainer from the age of eight years old, mostly musical theater. I did some off-Broadway stuff. I came back. I planted myself at a theme park and did 10 years stint for them. And at the same time, I was directing and choreographing. And in 2007, I opened my own professional company and also was teaching for Florida Southern College. So I was incredibly active. My body was in perfect shape. I had kept it that way, even at 56 years old. And then this happened, just like Crystal said, and it was like hitting a wall 100 miles an hour. It took me two neurologists actually onto a third team of people to figure out what this was and give me a diagnosis. So when did you first start to notice symptoms and when did you start to realize it was something serious? And how did you ultimately get that diagnosis? So Crystal, to start with you. As I said, I was a runner and my first symptoms were that I realized hills and even small inclines were giving me trouble. But again, you don't think, gee, there's something wrong. I just thought I'm not training hard enough. I'm getting older. I was 55 at the time. Also, my memory my memory at work started going. And um, again, I thought, "Mm, maybe I'm getting tired of my job. Maybe I'm just getting bored. And then I started to get a tingling in my top lip. I have a very rare form of CIDP. I present from the top down as opposed from like the extremities up. So I have a rare form of a rare disease. But it's again, started in my top lip, then it spread to my bottom lip, then it spread to my face. And when I would eat, I would literally bite my tongue because I could not feel my tongue. We had a dog at the time. Scott, you'll appreciate this. My dog's name was Broadway because that's (laughs) That's how much we love musical theater. That's awesome. (laughs) Isn't that funny? But uh, I was giving Broadway a bath in the tub. And after we finished, he got out and I could not get up. And I had to push myself up off the floor and hang on to the toilet. And again, thinking... That's interesting. (laughs) Not that that there's anything wrong. And my symptoms were getting progressively worse. I was getting weakness. And my husband suggested that I go see a neurologist. And I thought, for what? Tingling? It didn't occur to me that that was anything wrong. But that's how it first presented with me. And how about you, Scott? It started in my feet. We were actually auditioning for a show and I felt tingling afterwards. And I thought, oh, I just put some pressure on myself and, you know, it'll go away. And suddenly over time during that particular show, being on my feet all the time, teaching and choreographing and all of that, it remained and it wasn't going anywhere. Now, about five years prior to that, I had ended up having a complete hip replacement because of a major injury, which took me off my feet as an entertainer. But of course, I could still be a choreographer. So I went back to my surgeon. I said, this could be funny. Did you leave something inside of me that's making this happen? And he did all these tests and he came back and said, 100 percent, this has nothing to do with your hip replacement. You need to see a neurologist. I'm like, just like Crystal, a what? I don't even know what that meant. And so I went and through two different neurologists that did not do anything for me. And part of this was because it's not on their radar. This is so rare. Even neurologists can miss it because they don't deal with it. One of them told me I had carpal tunnel and then tried to shove me full of drugs. And the other one, well, (laughs) at the very end said, well, I think you have CIDP. You probably should go home and Google that. 
And that's how I found out. Wow. And Crystal, can you also tell us how you ultimately found out your diagnosis? Well, Scott, I feel kind of bad because I got diagnosed very quickly by my first neurologist. When I first started to mention my symptoms, he said to me, it's either MMN or CIDP. And MMN is multifocal motor neuropathy, which is kind of a a sister of CIDP. So he kind of knew in the beginning, and then they did an EMG test immediately. And that showed that it had a delay in my response of the nerves to the brain. And then it was off to the races from there. But I was very lucky. It was, I think, June were my first symptoms. And I was in the hospital getting IVIG by September. And that's rare. I know that that's rare. And so, Scott, after Googling it, I guess that's when you found out that that's what you had? Yes, I had that. And then I didn't know what to do because I swore I wasn't going back to this guy. And then suddenly I discovered the GBS and CIDP International Foundation. And at the bottom of that list was Tampa, which is an hour and a half away from me. The USF Health Campus handles this and does major research in it. So I called and I said, I need help. I've been doing this for two years. And they got me in like that. And the next thing I know, I have a team of five people taking care of me for the last eight years. And it's wonderful. What a difference just to kind of find that match, right? Huge. Between that. And so CIDP primarily affects the limbs and movement and has a serious impact on people's daily life. Can you talk about how it was affecting you personally and or professionally, and also what adjustments you've had to make to manage living with your symptoms? So Crystal, can we start with you? It changed every single aspect of my life. I had to stop working. I had to go off on disability. I haven't worked since 2014. And... As I said, I had been back in college. I had to stop that. But a little fast forward here, I did go back and I graduated a year ago with my second degree. So there is hope. Hang on. I have a wonderful husband, thank goodness, but it changed our lives. You know, you don't know when you wake up in the morning how you're going to feel. So in the beginning, we learned we made reservations, we bought tickets, and then I wake up and I can't go. So it's really changed our social life. It's changed what we do on a daily basis. It's changed how I feel about myself in terms of being a productive member of society. You know, you kind of get to know yourself as a quote-unquote sick person, and I hate using that, but there's kind of no other way to describe it. When you have a chronic illness, especially the ones that we have, Scott, right? Like if people were to Mm -hmm. look at us, like too bad they can't see us because we look fantastic. Fine. Great. (laughs) Right? We do. You look great. uh, Nobody's going to say, right? So they look at you and they go, there can't possibly be anything wrong with you. But they don't see the pain. They don't see the fasciculations. They don't see the muscle spasms, right? They don't see the numbness or the tingling or anything in your life. I've lost friends. I've had friends tell me that can't be that bad. You must be faking it. That is the weirdest thing. I lost friends, too, like a handful, all at once. It was so weird. Yeah. But you know what? I find that when you have a chronic illness, it really shows you who your true friends are. My circle may be smaller now, but it's better. Thank you, Crystal, for sharing that. Scott, how about you? I'm shaking my head over here, and nobody can see that, but I am (laughs) agreeing with absolutely everything that Crystal just said. It changes every single aspect of your life. And 
like she said, you would look at us and never know that anything's wrong. Now with me, my CIDP came from the feet up. And I have now pretty much lost even the ability to walk. I cannot drive anymore. I have a power wheelchair standing by waiting. I'm on serious, serious drugs. They're pushing me to an opioid too to stop the pain. Now that is part of your life, taking care of yourself. It is a full-time job all of a sudden. Right. You're either filling pill boxes or taking the pills or trying to figure out how to get out of bed, crawling to the coffee because it's not a good morning praying in four hours this will stop because you have things you want to do. That's very interesting, Scott, because I walk with a walker. If it's distance, I have a manual wheelchair, but I keep my electric wheelchair because I don't know. And I don't believe that that's being negative. I think that we have to be realistic. Well, realistic. And also what my doctors and I talked about, um, one thing about my CIDP is I have had it nonstop every single day since they diagnosed it and they cannot stop the progression. The game of CIDP is to find out what mix of drugs and medications can stop the progression. Never be able to cure it, but stop it. I have become this anomaly to them because they cannot figure out for one second how to make it stop. And so every year I gain five to 10% disability. Do the math. I'm only 56, right? Mm -hmm. So the big talk now has been, how do we preserve your quality of life and make things good for you? How do we work on that? And if that means a chair, if that means a disability tag, if that means whatever, what are you going to do? You got to do that. And hopefully your support circle is right behind you pushing that wheelchair if they have to. We'll be back with more untold stories after a quick break. As a global immunology company committed to improving the lives of people living with severe autoimmune diseases, Argenics is dedicated to partnering with advocacy organizations, including the GBS CIDP Foundation International, in support of the CIDP community. The GBS CIDP Foundation International is a global nonprofit organization with a vision to ensure that every person affected by chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy, Guillain-Barre syndrome, or related syndromes has access to early and accurate diagnosis, appropriate treatment, and knowledgeable support services. Their mission to improve the quality of life for individuals and families affected by these conditions focuses on four pillars supporting patients, educating healthcare professionals and caregivers, funding research, and advocating to help policymakers make informed decisions that benefit this patient community. For more information about GBS CIDP Foundation International, visit www.gbs-cidp.org. And now back to Untold Stories, Obviously, people with CIDP sometimes find themselves struggling with the emotional toll. So how have you both been able to sort of maintain your mental health while managing the physical effects of your CIDP, Crystal? It's interesting. I have never had anxiety and depression prior to CIDP. I had a terrible flare at the beginning of April. I couldn't walk again. I wound up in the hospital and I was extremely depressed. I thought, I can't do this again. I can't do this again. But 
I asked for help. I told them in the hospital, I have a therapist that I talk with once a week. And I beg anybody in our community who is suffering, don't suffer in silence. It is so not worth it. Because sometimes with physical, I feel like you can get through it. But if you don't have the mental space in order to say, yes, I'm going to fight this, I want to get through it, then everything just becomes a vicious cycle. You feel like you're in a trench and you can't get up. Thank you so much for sharing that. Scott, what about you? I agree with Krista 100%. First of all, if you're feeling dark, please reach out to somebody, anybody. Now, I was the type of person that was in theater, was proud of my performance. I was very forward. I was, you know, I just loved myself, I guess, because I'd done it so long and I did it so good. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, like Crystal, there was a dark moment. And I can't even remember what it was about. All I did was I contacted my doctor so fast. I said, you have got to do something. Please just help me. And they gave me a very light drug that took the cloud off of me. And the other thing for me was I started to pray. Mm. That was a good thing for me. It just helps me to meditate and to pull in center. But it's real. There is no longer a normal. (laughs) Every day is your new normal. It's like a merry-go-round that's going really, really fast and you cannot get off. Mm -hmm. I feel we've had to reinvent ourselves, right, Crystal? Oh, yes. Like for me, at the end of the day, choreographer, dancer, all of that business, I'm a storyteller. Mm -hmm. That's what I do. So what am I going to do now? I don't know if it was God or the universe or something bashed me on the head last July and said, you're going to be a writer. And that's what I've done. I'm working on two novels. Three of my short stories have been picked up for publishing. You find things to change in your life. Scott, I can't believe you just said what you said, because when I was in the hospital for six months, I had, you know, physical therapist, I had an occupational therapist, and I had a recreational therapist. And the recreational therapist said, do you want to paint? I said, I can't paint, right? I've never painted in my life. Guess what? I can paint. See? (laughs) To the point where... I'm pretty good if I have to say so myself. I've sold some paintings. I mean, you know, my hands are not great, but I'm able to figure out a way to do it. And when I do it, I don't feel the pain. I don't feel the symptoms. I'm right in it. Exactly. It's almost like meditating for me, Scott. There will be something. You don't know what it is. It could be prayer for some, but if people Mm -hmm. are not religious who are listening, it could be meditation. But it could even be if you can get outside and sit outside and look up at the sky. That's meditation. Mm -hmm. Anything that takes you out of the moment is very, very helpful. I agree. There's something about the mentality, because if you're sitting around doing nothing but being in pain, you're going to be in pain, and your life is not going to be very good. Right. The number one thing that happened to me was to embrace this, Mm. not run, embrace. And I use this word everywhere I go, even on myself. And it happened, I had a disabled parking tag to put on your car for two years and I would not use it. And one day I couldn't do it anymore. And I pulled up and I said, there's an empty spot. And I put the tag on and I looked at myself and I'm crying in the mirror. And all I said was embrace, 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 get out of the car. Mm. And that's how it started. And so Once you can do that and bring it in and say, this is part of me, this is part of my life now, I have to deal with it, I have to grow with this thing, then you'll be okay. 
Right. I like to call it radical acceptance. Beautiful. How would you say that living with a rare disease like CIDP changed your outlook or approach on life? Have there been moments of connection or strength that have come through your journey? Yes. I think, again, it's the yin and yang of it. I joke that every time I'm able to get to the bathroom by myself, I have a thank you, Jesus moment. I agree. Right? <laughs> it's like, it sounds like a small deal, but it's not. If you could take a shower by yourself, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate those things. I always was very appreciative of life and a beautiful day and the beach and that kind of thing. And I still am. That part of Crystal is still in there. I'm able to find joy. I want to stress that. So I believe that if you look for it, I think maybe those of us with this have to kind of look a little bit harder for those moments, but they are moments. And you know what? That's all we have, right? We've all just been through this terrible pandemic. I don't know about you, Scott. I didn't leave the house for 18 months. Thank you. Neither did I. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Doctors said, no, no. No, I was on immunosuppressants. I could not leave the house. It's exactly the same story. Don't leave the house until we say so. Right. But unfortunately, when you have a chronic illness, I called myself a pandemic pro. (laughs) because there are a lot of times when I'm in the house a lot because sometimes it's a little bit easier Mm -hmm. to isolate. I know that may sound a little bit bizarre because you crave human contact and you crave going out or whatever, but sometimes it could just be so difficult. It takes so much out of you that it's almost easier to isolate. You know, I did want to make a point though, in terms of support, I've written down a few places where I go to for support. And I'm sure, Scott, maybe you have done them as well. Mm -hmm. The GBS CITB Foundation International. Huge. They have a great website. They have a great organization that can guide you to, like Scott, you found that center of excellence. Mm -hmm. That's on their website as well. Yep. And you can connect with other people who also have the same disease that you have. I also belong to the Rare Action Network, which is a great online venue. And sometimes they'll even have a study or something that you might qualify for. I belong to NORD, the National Organization of Rare Disorders. That's also another one. I want to mention clinicaltrials.gov. And last but not least, I do want to mention Arginex, which I know is sponsoring this podcast, but they have a website called wehearyoucidp.com. I cannot believe I have not known about this. It is patient stories and all different points in their healing. But to be able to get on that website and to be able to read about other patients' story is phenomenal. So for anybody who needs a little bit of extra, these websites that I've mentioned are wonderful. Wonderful. And finally, Scott, any advice or message of hope to give someone who's been newly diagnosed with this disorder? The big thing for me has been this embrace thing, is to really bring it in, to really get educated. There's another big word we really should throw out there. Get educated. You know, when I've got a doctor telling me to go home and Google it, there is something wrong. (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't educated. But when I went to my Tampa team, I got so much stuff in my hand and they told me all those places that Crystal just mentioned to go. There is another one called Rare Patient Voices. Is that the same thing, Crystal? No, that's another one. Yeah. Yeah. You can get involved with them under Rare Patient Voices. Just look it up. That's about people needing to get it out there from the people who have it. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that are, I think, are my big takeaway, hopefully, from this podcast today is the embracing factor for yourself and for 
anybody that's listening, not just the person who has the CIDP, anybody that's listening, remember, we're people and we want to be treated like human beings and we want you to understand us. Because like Crystal said, you see me hobbling down the street, you'd barely know anything was wrong with me. Right. Wonderful. So I think that's all I have for you. And I think that this leaves us with such great information and hope and insight, like you said, Scott, to understand what it's like to be a human being with this disease, not a disease that happened to a human being. Right. I mean, I hear this all the time. I'm not defined by my disease Mm -hmm. and I'm not. Nobody is. I can tell Crystal's not, Mm -hmm. you know, and the more we do, this spreads and spreads and spreads and spreads. That's why it's important to get hooked up with people. Come to the podcast, go online and become part of the GBS at CIDP International Foundation. Mm -hmm. It just keeps rolling. And all of a sudden people go, I know what that's about. I've heard about that. Right. Um, Part of that helps us with research. Yes. So that people get, get excited about fronting research. The other thing that's hard for research, there's very few of us out there. Mm, Of course, yeah. But I do want to just leave people with this, that wherever you are right now in your CIDP journey, you won't stay there. There's always a change. So don't get so hung up. You know, I can't do this. I did this yesterday. I can't do it today. You'll do it again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You won't stay there. I also want to thank the caregivers who are our lifeline. I want to thank all the pharmaceutical companies that are trying to come up with new treatments and therapies for us. I cannot thank everybody enough. And to the people who perhaps are listening to this podcast who don't have CIDP, right? Maybe they're just tuning in. Be grateful. Be grateful for a day where you're not in pain, where a day where you could walk across the street and you don't need help. Be grateful for a boring day. Oh, I have to get up and go to work today. Be grateful because you never know. And I am grateful for both of you giving up your time today and sharing your stories. Thank you so much. Thank you, Martine. Thank you. Thank you so much to Crystal and Scott, who are both so gracious and vulnerable while sharing their experiences. As with many rare diseases, CIDP is not a very well-known condition. So I'm grateful to them for their willingness to share their stories and beautiful outlook on life. Understanding more about autoimmune conditions has really helped expand my understanding of these unique life experiences through each powerful and unique personal journey. Tune in next week to continue with another one of our regularly scheduled episodes of Untold Stories, Life with Myasthenia Gravis. Untold Stories was produced by iHeartRadio in partnership with Argenix and Closer Look and hosted by me, Martine Hackett. Our executive producer is Molly Sosha. Our EP of post-production is Matt Stillo. And our producer is Sierra Kaiser. This episode was edited by Sierra Spreen and written and produced by Tyree Rush.